Uh, for many of you, um, you uh, if you've been with us for the past uh, several months, we've been uh, having um, Christian Explored uh, run throughout the past several weeks, and tomorrow is our last um, meeting, our session of it, and it's been going very wonderfully well. Um, to quote Marcus, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but Marcus, you, you can ask him, and, it, and he'll say it in his amazing accent. He's like, it's the best time of the week. It's his favorite time of the week. Um, so just so we'll be praying for Christian Explored later on in the service. And so this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 10, verses 1 through uh, 22. And you can follow along in your worship guides, or you can follow along on the uh, wall behind me. And I'm reading from the English Standard uh, Version, the, uh, that particular translation of the Bible. So let's give our careful attention to the reading of God's Word. This is God's Word that is given in love for you this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to Christ. Let's pray together, friends. Father God, we pray for your blessing on, this, on your word, that your word would take root and shape our life, that your spirit would help us to grow and become more like you this morning. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Douglas McMillan had two careers in his lifetime. His first career was that of a shepherd, and his second career was that of a minister, a pastor of a church. And perhaps you've noticed that all throughout Scripture, God's people are referred to as sheep. 
We saw that in Psalm 100. We sang a psalm based on Psalm 23. We saw this also in, in our call to confession and our assurance of forgiveness and even here in John 10. But it's that's how scripture talks about us as God's people, that we are his sheep. We're never called wolves. We're not called a pack of wolves. We're not called fish. We're not even referred to as a school of fish or cows, a herd of cows. We're called sheep. Why is that? Douglas McMillan, with his two careers, has a certain insight, and this is what he says, that there are all kinds of wild animals. There are wild horses. There are wild cats. There are wild dogs. But have you ever seen a wild sheep? We're not talking about rams. We're talking about sheep. Why? Because sheep are too dim-witted and helpless to be wild. If you let other animals go, a couple of things will happen. Either an animal will go wild and learn how to survive in the wilderness, or the animal comes home. But what do sheep do? They wander around aimlessly and will be killed. And so scripture is quite pointed as to why we are called sheep. Isaiah puts it this way, that we are all like sheep and we have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways. See, Scripture has this insight into our lives. It's not a compliment. But we wander, we get lost, and we go astray. And the reality is that, like in our human life, the reality is that every single one of us needs community. Many people will even say, hey, I will go to that church and be a part of it. But very few people actually will say that they want to be pastored, that they want to be mentored, that they want to be led and fathered. The clear truth of this passage from John 10 is that we need a leader, that we need a leader, we need a shepherd. In order for us to thrive and to flourish in life, we need to be led by the good shepherd. We need to be led by the good shepherd. So Psalm 23 puts it in very clear terms. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in need. I shall not be in any wants. See, the reality uh, that we are sheep, even though we wander and that we can be aimless, the reality is that sheep are completely dependent on their shepherd. We are absolutely dependent upon God. And so this morning's sermon, even though it's, might be in your sermon uh, notebook, not in your sermon notebook, but the worship guide or somewhere. Like you may have seen that Jesus and yourself leaders completely changed the course of the, the sermon, completely changed direction over the past few days. But really, this is Jesus in your church. See, what we're doing this fall is that we're looking at each chapter in John's gospel and asking the question, Jesus and your questions, Jesus and your joy, Jesus and your um, ambition. Today, we're considering Jesus and your church. The backdrop of this chapter is John 8, John 9. But in John 9, we see Jesus having a confrontation. Jesus literally goes out of his way to pick a fight with the religious leaders of the Jews. He healed a man who was born blind. He didn't just perform this miracle that has never been done before in redemptive history. He did it on the Sabbath day, and he was picking a fight with them. Jesus miraculously healed him, and, but this man that experienced this healing was kicked out of the Jewish synagogue. He was kicked out of the Jew, Jewish synagogue because he would not throw Jesus under the bus. He said, he's a prophet. This is who he, people say he is. He's Jesus. Why are you asking me about him? Don't, maybe you want to become his disciples, and they kicked him out for it. 
Then later on, Jesus seeks this man out and to check in on him. And we see the man become one of Jesus' disciples. See, what Jesus is doing here in John 10 is a comment on that entire challenge and confrontation with the the religious leaders. Because Jesus is continuing to confront the, the religious leaders, but he's also teaching his own disciples about what his church looks like. What his church looks like. And so everything that Jesus is saying is being built around this idea of a shepherd. And so let, let's think about this idea of a shepherd first. And think about shepherds in general. And then we'll talk about bad and good shepherds. So shepherds in general. Because shepherds had a very straightforward job. They would watch over, they would protect, and they would lead the sheep. It was a dangerous job. Sheep would graze. But, and they would wander off. So you would actually have to leave the flock to go after the one sheep or the one missing lamb. And so sometimes sheep would follow that one that would wander off. And they would, they would also, as they would wander, they would, they would graze. Like sheep were seen as a nuisance. Shepherds were seen as a nuisance because they would go into other people's yards. Like, why, why are your sheep in my yard? Get them out of here. That's how people saw sheep and shepherds. But so David, the king in the Old Testament, who wrote many of the Psalms, before he was a king, he was also a shepherd of his father's flock. And he came to national fame in this one encounter called David and Goliath. Perhaps you know it. But before that, he was a shepherd. And we see that him talking in that passage about Goliath, we see him say that as a shepherd, I have fought off a lion. I have fought off bears. Like, that's what shepherds did. They would protect the sheep. That's what shepherds would do. They would watch over. They would even, like, in the middle, like, if you're out traveling and the sheep, it was nighttime, you would sleep watching over your, your, your flock. That's what shepherds would do. They were caregivers to a flock. And so Jesus gives us a contrast between bad and good shepherds. And so let's think about the bad shepherds, and we're going to be drawing some from some Old Testament passages here. But if you've been involved in a church for a while, or you've been around the church, I've, I expect and suspect that you have seen various degrees of bad church leadership. Perhaps you've, been, you've even seen it, and it's been very toxic. And if that's the case, your presence here this morning is a miracle, and I'm grateful for that. But as Jesus is speaking to Jews, these people would know this passage from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34, 2-5. And this is a passage that highlights bad shepherding. God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not shepherd... Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you ruled them. So they were scattered. And see, shepherds are meant to be attuned to the needs of the flock, feeding them and caring for them. But the shepherds that we see here in Ezekiel, and I guarantee you the religious leaders of the Pharisees knew this. 
But the shepherds that Ezekiel is talking about is that these shepherds aren't just oblivious to the obvious needs of the flock. They're they're too self-centered and self-focused that they don't care about the flock. That the sheep need to be fed, they need sheltered, they need protected, they need nurtured to health, they need to be sought out and rescued. These bad shepherds that Ezekiel's talking about do not care. And there's another negative example of shepherding in the Old Testament. It's the story of Eli's sons. It's in second, not second, but first Samuel 2:12. And this is actually an example of spiritual abuse. When spiritual leaders use their position to hurt others for their own personal gain. And here's 1 Samuel. The custom was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come and stick a fork into a cauldron. And whatever meat was brought up would come for, that would be his. So... Perhaps by chance, the priest could, the servant would throw in the fork and it would be like, oh, here's a chuck roast. Oh, here's some ribs. Here's a leg, and so forth and so on. That's not what Eli's sons did. The Eli's sons did is that we want the tenderloin. We want the uncooked, we want the choice meat all for ourselves. And here's what 1 Samuel says. The sin of the young man was great in the sight of the Lord, for they treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. We, and so we see just truly how heinous and how tragic and how awful this is by how Eli's sons are actually described for us. It's Eli's worthless sons. See, God is very, God is very direct and clear with how shepherds are meant to lead his church Jesus puts it in very stark terms here for us that these shepherds that Jesus is rebuking, they're not shepherds, they're thieves, they're robbers. They come to steal and to kill and to destroy. They are hired hands. They, They run away in the face of danger instead of laying down their lives in order to protect the flock. And this is... who And he's talking to the religious leaders of the Jews. He's talking to the Pharisees. And, and while it's the Pharisees, they would be looking at themselves, no, that's not how I am whatsoever. Scripture's given us a very clear picture. Think about the Apostle Paul for a moment before he came to Christ. What was going on in his life, he was so zealous for the things of God that he's killing, he's killing Christians. That's what's going on in Paul's life. And so there's, a, there's this contrast here between the bad shepherds. Who are we being led by? Are we being led by the the bad shepherds? But Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd because he takes you to the Father. And so so many more reasons. So let's consider this. Jesus is the good shepherd. We see this quite clearly. This is actually mentioned for us twice. John 10, 10, and 11. John 10, 14. This is what Jesus says. That I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I, come to ha- I came so that they would have a life and just have some of it. He's like, I-, I came so that they would have an abundance of life. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so if you think about Ezekiel's prophecy through the lens of Jesus, there's a flip for us. That Ezekiel's prophecy is read in a new light, where Jesus is saying that I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. 
that they may not be food for them. I myself will seek them out. I myself will search for them. I myself will rescue them. I myself will bring them and gather them and feed them. And I myself will be their shepherd, lying down with them, seeking the lost, bringing back the strays, binding up the injured, strengthening the weak, and I will feed them with justice. Jesus does all this because he is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. If you recall earlier, I said that shepherds need to be attuned to the needs of the flock. Friends, we have one central need in our life. We have one basic need, and it's the fact that we need God's love. We need God's love because we are sinners. Go back to that word from Isaiah, that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And so the beautiful picture about Jesus being our good shepherd is that he is the one who seeks you out. That he rescues you. He picks you up. He throws you over his shoulders and he brings you home where he can feed you and protect you. And he lays down his life for you. That Jesus goes to the cross. He dies a death that you should have died. He defeated death so that you would have life with him for all eternity. What Jesus did with all that is that he paid the penalty for your sin so that you would have life and have it abundantly. That is why Jesus is the good shepherd. And because Jesus has done that, he, so take a step back, but like when you think about this, in the context of John 9, Jesus is the one who is the one pursuing the blind man, uh, Luke puts it differently in his parables where that Jesus will leave the 91, the 99 to pursue the one. Jesus pursues you. And because Jesus pursues you, you know his voice and you follow him. So what does this, what does this look like for us to practice this? That if Jesus is our good shepherd, what does it look like for us to follow him? Well, if you want... Directly, very directly, that if you want to be a part of Jesus' flock, you need to realize something. That that can only happen in and through him. Look at verse 7. That Jesus says that I am the door of the sheep. And because he is your shepherd, you know his voice. That, like, so when he would open the gate and lead the, the flock out, you, you follow him because you know his voice. And that as you know his voice, you are able to actually discern and to sort out the competing voices that you hear throughout every day and every week of your life. That you're able to sort out the, because you know the good shepherd, you're able to discern the bad shepherds. Because the world wants you. All these false shepherds want you to live a self-centered inward life. And so every day, we go through our rhythms and we'll hear the various voices of, you're not good enough, you're not doing, doing enough, you're not working hard enough, and so on. That's not the case with the gospel. That's not the case with the good shepherd. And the gospel is quite differently. Is that fundamentally, friends, you are God's beloved. You are loved by God. That is who we are as Christians. We're not Christians because we have our life together or our act together or we have the right doctrine. We are Christians solely because God loves us. Solely, that's it, nothing else. That God loved us first and we, he has poured out his grace for us. 
And so a question for you is that do you intentionally spend time listening to his voice? Do you intentionally spend time with God's word and his spirit learning to hear his voice into your life so that you can face temptation, so that you can face the devil, so that you can go through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. And so as we, another point of application, when you think about Jesus' flock, that's the church. The flock, the church, is meant to be centered on the person of Jesus. That every, like, just if, read this passage again and just see how central the person of Jesus is to this passage because we center our entire lives around him. And so you kind of even take a step further later on into the, the New Testament that it's true that Jesus gives shepherds to the church. Think about Ephesians 4.10, that God gave shepherds to equip the church for the work of ministry. That Peter is writing to the church in Rome. This is 1 Peter 5. He says, elders shepherd the flock. And then Paul, and he uses a slightly different language in 1 Corinthians 4. He says this, though you have many guardians, you have few fathers. I am your, but through the gospel, I have become your father. So imitate me as I imitate Christ. See that shepherds within the church are meant to help you follow Jesus. They're meant to help you to follow Jesus. Jesus puts it quite clearly. There is one flock and there is one shepherd. So Diane Langberg, who lives here in Philadelphia, and she's a scholar. She's an incredible, incredible scholar and um, psychologist. She, her focus is on spiritual abuse within the church. And she writes this, or she said this in addressing pastors a few years ago. Before you were shepherds, you were sheep. But the truth is, you are always sheep. The even leaders in the church are always sheep. This can, we can never forget this. That church leaders are not the shepherds. The church is not built around the personalities or, the, or of leaders. But the church is actually built and founded upon Christ. That Jesus is the cornerstone. And so I love Henry Nowen in his fantastic little book, In the Name of Jesus. He writes this, In the long, painful history of the church is a history of people over and over again, choosing power over love, control over the cross, being that leader over being led. And one thing is clear, that the temptation of power is greatest when intimacy is a threat. He continues, much Christian leadership, much Christian leadership is exercised by people who do not know how to develop healthy, intimate relationships and have opted for power and control instead. And many Christian empire builders have been people unable to give and receive love. See, the wonderful passage about the, the Good Shepherd is that Jesus empties himself. He pours himself out. He pursues us. He gives of himself freely to us because we need his love. And so at the end of the day, friends, do you see yourself as a sheep? One who is absolutely dependent upon God. One who is absolutely dependent on, on Jesus. That you are one who needs to be led in this life. Do you see that about yourself? Over and over and over again in scripture, all these great heroes, like say the apostle Paul. Paul would not hold himself up as a hero. He would say that I am the chief of sinners. Do we see that about ourselves in our lives? Do we have that type of humility that says, I need to be led? 
Because this is a passage that says we need to be led. And we have this good shepherd who will lay down his life for us. He, not, no, no, wrong, wrong verb sense there. That he laid down his life for us. He watches over you. He cares for you. He protects you. He leads you further into his love and deeper into his grace. Let's pray.